You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And before I get started in today's teaching, I feel like it would be important for us to go back and recap what we've covered, because we have covered a lot of ground from day one in this. The first idea that I wanted to get across to you was that the church was completely mysterious, even to the apostles. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know to expect it. They, they, they did not understand it. They expected to be able to do what they did under the covenant that God made with Abraham and the giving of the law. Uh, all of that began to change as Christ was crucified, rose from the dead, and ascended to heaven. And in a very short order, they were in a brand new age. I don't know that they really saw it coming. Uh, but as it unfolded around them, they began to see it. Christ taught them that this was going to come, and he taught them about the importance of his leaving. In order for this church to come, he had to leave. And he introduces that in John chapter 14. And as he brings it about to them, he explains it like a groom who makes a promise to his bride to come back for her. And that's exactly what he does in John 14. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, you have believed in God that you've not been able to see. You believe in me, but you can see me. But he said, uh, in effect, you're not going to see me. So continue to believe in me when you don't see me. And that's what he was saying in John 14. Uh, Then we covered this idea that God deals with three distinct people on planet Earth, three distinct groups of people, the Jews, the nations, and the church. And God doesn't lump them all into one category. He does not lump the righteous with the wicked in his dealings. There is a separation. And any time there is a judgment, there's also an act of redemption. The Red Sea was both judgment and redemption. The flood of Noah and the ark, it was both judgment and redemption. And so that's what you see, uh, the coming of the church and the crucifixion of Christ, his resurrection, the spread of the church. It was both judgment and redemption. Uh, This blindness came to the nation of Israel. They lost the country. They were taken out of the land. They've been in uh, until 1948. They have begun to come home. Uh, But there was a judgment and a redemption, both of them happening at the same time. We also covered the idea that the earth is yearning to be redeemed, that it is groaning. And that's why we have the things happening in our world today that happen. It is because the earth wants to receive uh, what it was meant to be. It has been under the dominion of the devil and wants to be freed from that. Death has reigned on planet earth, and even the earth itself wants to be released from that. Uh, Then the last thing that we covered in our last lesson was there is no clock or timepiece in the church. There's nothing given to the church to say to the church, when this happens, guess what? You do this. The timepiece is connected to the nation of Israel. And Jesus said that the harvest, which involves the church, the harvest won't happen in earnest. The big harvest won't come 
until you see the shooting forth of the fig tree. And somebody says, are are you concerned that somebody might argue with you? Well, you can, uh, but it it really doesn't make any sense because uh, history backs me up. When Israel became a nation in 1948, since that moment in time, there has been more gospel work done than in the previous 2,000 years put together. More people have already come to Christ. It is amazing what has happened. And we are living at the apex of history. There is more opportunity to win people, to reach people today, not just than in any other time before, but than all times before combined. And that's what's so great about this age. So we do not have a clock in the church. We don't know the day or the hour of Christ's return, but we do know that there are certain things that we can gauge by what has happened with the nation of Israel. Now, important to know this, and we're going to get into this lesson. God follows patterns and prototypes in everything that He does. God's a big believer in anniversaries. He does things on anniversaries. They do happen. Uh, and, and this is one of His ways. Uh, here's what Moses prayed. He said to God in uh, Exodus thirty-three thirteen. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight... Show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight. Moses had already seen great works from God. He'd already been through all the plagues. He'd seen the crossing of the Red Sea. But he even says to God at this time, after all of that, he didn't ask for miracles. He didn't say, God, show me your miracles. He said, show me your ways. Show me your ways that I may know you. Spiritual people don't ask to see miracles first. Spiritual people ask for the ways of God. God, what is your way? Show me your ways. The power of God will be manifested when you know the ways of God. Now, one of God's most consistent habits is this. He always foretells what He's going to do. That's one of His ways. Listen to Isaiah 46.10, and this is the New English Bible. I like this translation. I reveal the end from the beginning and from days of old that which is still to be. God says, in essence, I will always foretell what I am going to do. Now, let me show you just how important this is, the foretelling. It's so hugely important. I'm taking you to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. This is uh, when Jesus appeared to the apostles in a room where all the doors were closed. This is on the evening of the resurrection. The resurrection happens that morning. But the Bible says in Luke 24, 36, As they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. Jesus is saying to them, Guys, listen to me. Look at me. It's me. And they still didn't believe. They're seeing him. This whole idea that seeing is believing right here uh, is a, a great illustration of how that's not true, that people can actually see a miracle and still not believe what they're supposed to believe. They can see the supernatural and still not believe what they're supposed to believe. 
when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. Now these are proofs. He is showing them that this is all provable. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said to them, Have you here any meat? Is there anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat it before them. And he said to them, now pay attention to this. This is uh, Luke uh, uh, 24, 44. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the third day. Now this is fascinating to me. And let me explain exactly what just happened. They are seeing the resurrected Christ. He is physically in the room. This is not a vision they are seeing with their physical eyes, hearing with their physical ears, and even able to touch with their physical hands, and he is eating physical food that disappears when he puts it in his mouth. He is physically, bodily raised in the room with the apostles, and they still don't believe. So how do you fix that? Well, the Scripture says, For with the heart man believes... With the heart, man believes. The heart is convinced by the preaching of words, the Word of God, not by what it sees. And so the way that he finally convinces them of the reality of the resurrection, he goes to the Scriptures and he lays out the Scriptures and he shows them all of the prophecies that went before that said that he would be crucified, that he would be treated in the way that he was, that he would be laid in a rich man's tomb, that he would be raised from the dead. All of this stuff was prophesied. Now this is fascinating. Think about this for a minute. We have all of the actions of redemption. Every act of redemption that needed to happen, it all happened. All of these supernatural things happened but yet they still weren't able to receive it. It was the prediction or the prophecies of these happenings that made it possible for them to believe. And this is what I want to tell you. It's not enough for God to do a great thing and then afterwards take credit for it. If it's God, He takes credit for it before it ever happens. The prophetic word, the prophetic word of God is so very important because it is as important as its fulfillment. You take away the prophetic word and the identity of the one who brought it all about is not revealed. It is the prophecy that connects God to the doings. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He showed them the miracle, and he demonstrates the miracle, but it was the prophecy that turned their hearts. And so for this reason, God's character is to tell us ahead of time. Now let's go back very quickly and take a look at this. Has God told us about things to come before they happened? Absolutely yes. 
First one is the flood. There were three signs of the flood. Number one, Enoch predicted it. And he named his son Methuselah, which means when he is dead, it shall come. Methuselah is the grandfather of Noah. When Methuselah died, Noah was 600. That was the year that the flood came. So when Moses or Noah saw the death of his grandfather Methuselah, he knew, he knew it's time for the flood. Secondly, the animals began to show up. God had told Noah to build this huge boat, not only for himself, but for the animals. And so the animals begin to show up by twos. This is another sign that the flood is near. There is confirmation for everything God does. Number three, the ark was finished. You can't have a flood until the ark is finished. Noah, 50 years in and the ark's not done, he knows it isn't going to come right now. He knows there's a time. And so when the ark was finished, he did not of his own volition go get on the ark. God told him to go to the ark, and when he got on, God shut the door. It wasn't the rain that drove Noah to the ark. It was the word of God that drove Noah to the ark. Now you listen to me. It is not all of the trouble and the judgments and all of that stuff that drives us to faith in God. It is the Word of God that drives us to faith and builds our faith. It is the Word. It was the Word that convinced these apostles that Jesus was indeed risen from the dead. So the first thing that we have, the prediction, the prophecy is the flood. The second is the exodus. God told Abraham, Genesis 15, uh, that uh, his children would be in bondage up until the 400th year. When they finally went out on the 15th day of Nisan, listen to what uh, it says in the book of Exodus 12, 51. It came to pass the selfsame day that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. Selfsame day. Same day as what? Uh, they came out of Egypt on the same day that Abram had left Ur of the Chaldees, the 15th day of Nisan. And that's when they left that day, very day. Now, uh, we have a captivity. I don't have time to read it, but Daniel chapter 9, the prophet Jeremiah said that the desolations of Jerusalem will last for 70 years. And so uh, Daniel began to pray about that because the 70 years had been finished. And he starts praying about the end of the 70 years and the restoration of Jerusalem. And the angel Gabriel appears to him in Daniel 9, 21, 22, 23, and even more. But this is where it talks about the angel first appearing to him. And he tells him that there's a commandment that will go forth to rebuild Jerusalem, not the temple. The walls and the city, that was given by Artaxerxes Longimanus. You read about that in the book of Nehemiah. He said that it would take 49 years, or seven sevens, in order to complete the building of the walls and the restoration of the city. Then he said another 62 years, or 62 weeks would pass, which is 434 years, 62 times 7, 434, and the Messiah would enter Jerusalem basically 483 years after the commandment was given to restore the city. On the very day he was supposed to come, Jesus showed up riding on the back of the donkey. It was predicted. God always declares ahead of time what he's going to do, so he takes authorship of it. That's one of the things that he does. 
The crucifixion was predicted, Daniel 9, 25, 26, 27. You read about the uh, crucifixion and all the things Messiah would suffer. Isaiah tells us about the details of it, but Daniel tells you the timing of it. And so the exact time frame was there. So what is God's way? God's way is prophecy. God's way is foretelling. Beware of those so-called spiritual leaders who would have you to think that you cannot know anything about God's timetable. They would be... And now, I'm not suggesting that we predict a day or a month or even a year for the return of the Lord. But the season is something we certainly should be thinking of. And it is knowable because all of the things that Christ has said and the other prophets and the Apostle Paul, those things have begun to be fulfilled. And we can certainly know that we are in the season. That's all the time I have for today. But we're not done. We'll pick up here tomorrow. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.